It is uh, such a wonderful privilege to be back home. I was so thankful to get to be here yesterday, and it was a long two weeks being away from y'all. Um, missed, we missed all of y'all. And I pray that it's on my mind is in line with what I was, I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks. The song service actually didn't change my mind, but it further proved what I'd been thinking about. In Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read some verses here. I'm going to skip through some of this, uh, but all of it ties together. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. He then gives several examples of Abel and Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah. He then goes on to say, Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and persuaded of them, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to overturn. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. My, the subject of my mind has been of faith. Now, in my discussions with uh, Brother Sonny and Brother Mark Ralph, I've, I've come to learn that there are three different types. There's the faith of God. There's the faith of, uh, that we receive in the new birth, which is the uh, fruit of the Spirit. And then there is the body of belief, faith. And I'd like to focus more on the body of belief, faith, because I believe that that is what you and I experience here and now uh, as we come to this place to worship our Lord. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For, the el for by it the elders obtained a good report. In order for us to have hope, we must have faith. That comes first. That faith is something that is given to us, as I stated, in the new birth. However, in order for us to have the faith that we uh, can act upon, that we uh, can perform works with, we must have heard the gospel of Christ. In, uh, oh my goodness, my mind just went blank. It's, oh, Romans 10, 17, it says, uh, faith cometh by 
hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is important in order for you. you you're not going to just hear the gospel in the middle of nowhere with nobody around. It's not to say that the Lord cannot come to you and bless you to know that he is, but it is important that you hear the gospel in order to uh, perform works with that. One of the things that has been on my mind about this is our walk of faith. I struggle, and I think that we all do at times in our lives, with our walk of faith. See, faith is very interesting to me in that it ebbs and flows in me. It's not going to ebb and flow in your inner man. It is the same in your inner man. Uh, But one of the things that we do as members of the church is we exercise it by coming to the house of the Lord and uh, seeking after Him. Only them that diligently seek Him are rewarded. When Christ was with the apostles, a great example of when I've not had faith is when storms arise. In chapter 4 of Mark, it says, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. How many times in our lives have we gone to church and we've come to a great meeting and we've had a great meeting and then all of a sudden we go back to work on Monday and the pits of life uh, bring us down. We're tossed about. Uh, The winds are crashing against us and we think, oh Lord, how is it so great? And now it's not. It's not the case at all. What it is is when Christ says, peace be still, and the wind ceases, And he says, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Before this, in the book of Matthew, Christ had just performed a great many miracles. He'd healed the blind. Uh, He'd caused the deaf to hear. He'd cast out devils in front of these apostles, and yet they had forgotten all of that. I do the same thing. I will come to church... I will think, man, it was so good to be in the house of the Lord. Nothing's going to tear my week down. And then Monday comes. Even Sunday afternoon comes. And I'm out of the house of the Lord. And I'm thinking about the pitfalls of life. And it brings me down. That's why that song, I Want a Heart to Pray, is so wonderful to me. Because I need to pray without ceasing. Being in prayer constantly, even over the the smallest of things, of just, Lord, please guide me. Sometimes we can't even get the words out. Sometimes it's just groanings within our spirit. But the Lord hears that. We need that that in our daily life. And when we do that, it pleases the Lord. When we cry after Him, when we remember Him, because we remember that he is. In Hebrews 11 and 6, it says, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. When our soul, our spirit, makes groanings after the Lord, when it cries, Abba, Father, 
It's saying he is God. He is the true living God and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We are exercising that faith. And it's very important that we do that. Now, there are often times that I've looked around the church and I've seen men, there's some men in this room that, that uh, I look at and think, man, I wish I, I had faith like they do. But I also remember later on that they are just men. They, they have the same cares and trials that, that I face in, a, in the, this life. But we also have the people in here, too. In chapter 12 of Hebrews, it says, Wherefore, seeing we are also, uh, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run, uh, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and, set, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That cloud of witnesses is not just those which came before and are no longer here. It's all of us. I'm affected by y'all's faith. I see your faith and it inspires me to be more faithful. It's important to me that I try each and every day, and I'm not good at it. God knows how much I fail him, and it hurts when I do. But I see that cloud. Chapter 11 is filled with examples of those who had the promise, but they never received it because Christ had not come. The promise is that we follow after Christ that we seek after him in all ways. It is not just a one-and-done thing. If you stop performing works after you have faith, it's not going to benefit you. It, it James, in James 2, 17, I believe it is. Let's see if I can find it real quick. James 2, 17, it says, Even so faith. If it hath not works, is dead, being alone. If you're not exercising your faith, you're not building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The gospel is right here, and we have the opportunity to learn of it. It's, it's a wonderful thing in this world, and, and it's truly a miracle in and of itself. I'm so very thankful that we have this. Before I close, I believe no, it was Matthew. When we walk in our daily walk, we ought not to care for the things of this world. Those things are going to be there. Sin is always going to be around us. Evil is always going to be around us. We're always going to be tempted by it. As we walk by faith, it is important for us to remember that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. In Matthew 6, verse 30, it says, Wherefore, 
If God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take uh, thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We don't need to be concerned about um, tomorrow. We know who holds tomorrow. We need to mortify the deeds of the flesh of today. Today is when I know what I'm going to do next, essentially. I can control myself uh, from, from getting angry or saying things I shouldn't right then and there, but I, I don't know what's gonna, going to happen tomorrow. The Lord does. The Lord knows how I will walk. But we first need to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is what is so important. And when we do those things, when we have that faith, when we are trying to reach out for him, when we have those groanings within our spirit, he rewards us with peace. And sometimes it's the answer of no. If we're praying, sometimes it's the answer of no. But what shall we say? I mean, the Lord is righteous. And in all things, he is good. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. There is nothing more that we need to do except that. Come here, brother. Appreciate so much the things that have gone before. Thank the Lord for the truth that's contained in Scripture and for the dear brother bringing it before us. I have a subject on my mind that I've had for oh, probably a month or so, maybe six weeks, and uh, I've looked at it now and then, but uh, we're going to try to at least introduce the subject to you uh, today. If you have your Bibles, it's in the sixth chapter of Ephesians. Sixth chapter of Ephesians. And beginning in the tenth verse. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye be, may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, and then the 14th verse begins, stand therefore. 
Paul begins this last chapter with children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And then with goes on down through with the fathers and the mothers and even servants and so forth. But as he gets to the last verses of this book, of the book of Hebrew, uh, Ephesians, he is saying something that I thought would be a wonderful admonition to all of us as we begin a new year. Uh, we don't know, as Brother Seth has said, we don't know what befalls us tomorrow. We don't know what befalls us in the year of 2023. So what, what can we do to prepare for the unknown? How, how are, are we just to, to stand and, and just let the storms come and, and beat upon us and so forth and so on? Or is there something that we ought to be up and about? And I think this is what Paul has in mind. He begins in the 10th verse with finally, my brethren. And you can know that he's summarizing the book by just using the word finally. I don't know how long this has been on Paul's mind to get to this point. But finally, we've gotten to the point now that I want to I summarize something for you. Finally, my brethren. We need to remember, and I think we do, but we need to be reminded that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We might have different gifts and callings and so forth and so on that we try to do according as the Lord give us grace and so forth. But we are the same brethren and sisters. We believe in the same God. We have the same Lord and the same Savior and same elder brother. We believe the same doctrine and the same practice. We sing and or feel the, the songs moving among us in the same way. The songs that we sing, not only are they truth, they sound like the truth. When it's a sad song and something that ought to, ought to uh, cause us to mourn our sins, oftentimes it's a minor tune. Other times it's not. It's a major tune. But we're brethren. And sit, we're equally brethren and sisters together. And how are, how are we to be with each other? How, how are we to, to treat one another? Uh, admonition that I love to think about. And as Brother Seth has said, oftentimes it's, it's one thing to know these things, but it's, it's not as easy to put them into practice. Second chapter of Colossians, I, I think this is a beautiful thing that would uh, help us as we go forward in 2023. He begins in 2 and 1 of Colossians. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love. What a beautiful language that is. United together. Knit together. Uh, I know sometimes in, in Sharon's knitting work that she does. 
And I'll see her over there, and all of a sudden, she's just taking it, and she's just pulling it apart. <laughs> and I said, what, what are you doing? She says, well, I got off back over here, and I got, and she, that's one of many reasons I would never knit. I couldn't just spend all that time ripping apart what I've spent three days trying, but she had to get back to where it was, where it was, where it got off at. My friends, our hearts knitted together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, join and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith of Jesus in, in Christ. My friends, brethren, together. Our goal is to be as it was in the early church on the day of Pentecost when they that gladly received His word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls and they continued steadfastly Friends, that's where we get in trouble sometimes. The ups and downs like Brother Seth referred to. All that God would help us to remain steadfastly in these things. Uh, that they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayer. All my friends, that's what unites us together. That's why we are knitted together is the commonality of what we have. The common salvation that faith, as he mentioned, that was once delivered unto the saints. That that's on the door out there as you come in, the vestibule as you come. And it has our articles of faith of this church. That's not all that we believe, but it's the fundamentals of what we believe. Sometimes it's good to just go back and read them again. Remind us again. What be the first work, my friends, that we need to be reminded of? Christ. Before we move on, let's go to Hebrews real quick. Two and eleven. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Not only are we brethren one with another, but even with our Lord. The fact that He could sup with us, the fact that we could feel Him in spirit, not in person, but in spirit with us. I could go on on that, but let me, let me continue. Back in Ephesians, my brethren, what did He say? Finally, my brethren, be what? Strong. Strong. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his mind. Before he goes on to talk about these uh, different armors that we're to put on. Or different elements of the one armor that we're to put on. He kind of takes away the excuse that I would have. And that is, I'm, I, I'm not strong enough. Uh, that's true. And that's the problem. In and of ourselves, none of us are. Listen to what he says. Where are we to be strong? That's right. In the Lord. And in the power of his mind. Well, we'll just, we'll just, how do we do that? 
Where, where does that strength come from? How is it that we, that we can, can, can do that? My friends, first of all, weakness is taken away. Remember what he told Paul uh, when he would pray, what, thrice that the thorn be removed from his side? And he says, what? My strength is made perfect in weakness. That just takes the excuse all away from me. Uh, weakness is where we need to be to feel the Lord's strength. If you feel weak, good, good. You're right ready where you need to be. Because in weakness, strength is made perfect. When we quit relying on, on ourselves, when we quit relying on our abilities and look to the Lord and ask Him to be our strength and our shield and all those things, my friends. How are we to do that? How does that work? So I have studied these things and have wondered about them. I can't find the particular place I'm wanting to go to. Here, it was right there, right in front of me. Third chapter of Ephesians. How are we to, how are we to have this strength? Where do we go get it? Where, where do we go purchase it? As Brother Seth says, we have, we have examples to, uh, among well, how can I be like that person? How, how can I have the faith of that person? How can, I, how, can I, how can I preach like that? How can I pray like that person? How can I walk like that person? The Bible warns us about comparing ourselves among ourselves. It says it's not wise. There's one that we can compare ourselves to, and it is wise, and it's the Lord. But where do we go to get that strength that we need? Listen to the third chapter of Ephesians, 16th verse. That He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengtheneth with might of His Spirit in the inner man. Guess what? That person that you're looking to, His inner man is identical to yours. It's the same strength that's in him or her. Is the same strength that is already in the inner man. It came in the work of regeneration. Where we've been made partakers of the divine nature of God. And it's in that inward man. In that, in that place, my friends. Where, where the soul is. In that inward spot within us. That Christ is in there. The spirit of Christ is in there. My friends, there is the power. That's how, we're, that, that's how we're to approach this subject. Not in the weakness of our flesh, which we all have. Not in the weakness of saying, well, I can't do all of that. That's for, that's for strong people to do. No, it's for all of us to do. There is no strong people except Christ. We're all weak. We're all undone. We all are broken in nature. But all my friends... What God has planted within you. Let me just read this. That Christ. I'll read the 16th again. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. That's how we're knit together don't you see. Is in love. 
that you're being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of God which passeth knowledge. There's much in this scripture, my friends, in this Bible that we don't, we can't analyze like you can an equation or something. It has to, as Brother Seth has told us, it's by faith we accept these things. It's by faith that we answer these things. I don't have to have the Godhead all figured out in my mind. I can't, my friend. But I believe it's true. Because the Bible says it's true. To know the love of God which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. With that as a backdrop. Not in our own power, but in the power of him. We, we can approach this subject boldly, my friends. Able to do what He's told us to do. Because He's given us the ability to do it. It's in all of us. Equally. God doesn't born one of the Spirit one way and somebody else the other way. He gives us all the measure of faith. You know what that means? He gives us in regeneration the same identical portion of faith. People get concerned about size of faith. You know what the Lord says about the faith and the size of faith? If you had faith the size of a mustard seed. It's not about size. It's about use. Brother Seth and I were talking the other night. My friend, it's like a body that has all the same muscles in it. Unless something has happened in birth or whatever. That we all have the same muscles. Some people, like me, let those muscles kind of go to jelly at times. Other folks, I got a son-in-law, other folks work out constantly. His muscles are bigger than mine. Even though I weigh more than he does, his muscles are bigger than mine. One, because he's exercising. I don't need more muscles. I need to exercise the ones I have. Same way with faith, my friends. It's not that we need more faith. We need to exercise our faith. And by the exercise of our faith, my friends, God increases that. Much like muscles in a body. Let's go back to Ephesians. He's getting ready to make a, uh, uh, to move forward in the subject. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Can't put on some of it. The whole, it takes the whole armor of God. That ye may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. When you go to battle, one of the most important things you need to do is be able to identify who the enemy is. Friendly fire has injured a lot of people in natural battle and sometimes even in spiritual battle. My friends, we need to know who our adversary is. It's not one another. It's the devil. There really is an entity that is called the devil. 
He's Satan. He's Satan. My friend, well, let me just read. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know what the word wiles means? It means the cunningness, the craftiness, the trickery. He's the master of deception. It's always time to hate the devil. Always. He was a liar in the beginning. And he's a father of lies. And he doesn't fight fair, you see. Go to Peter, only this time in 1 Peter. Well, again, I'm not able to find what I want. Yeah, it is. Here it is. As soon as I say that, I find it. I need to say that as soon as I turn. It'd be faster. Fifth chapter, 1 Peter. Eighth verse. Be sober. Be vigilant, because your devil, the adversary, for your because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He is busy. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't take a day of vacation. He doesn't go. He is active, my friend. You know one thing about the the devil, though, and it's getting ahead of myself. But one thing's about him is is he. He can't be everywhere at the same time. He, he has to catch a ride to get from one place to the other. And sometimes, my friends, that ride is me. <laughs> he had to catch, he has to, he, he can't, he, he's not, he tries to mimic God, but he's not God. He's a devil. He's a devil. And what he uses, my friends, is everything that is in this world that he can use. Look at the supply that he has. And he knows how to use it. And he won't use it the same way with one person as he will with another. He's cunning. He's cunning. Here's how 1 John says it in the second chapter. 15th verse, 2 and 15 of 1 John. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the the world. That's what Satan uses against us. Think about these things and ponder these things. Look what he uses. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. What does that mean? We're not wrestling man. We're not wrestling somebody that's like we are. This is a spiritual warfare. 
got scripture to go to. We won't. That's a spiritual. It's not carnal. It's spiritual. We don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against man, but against principalities. You know what a principality is? It's the realm of a prince. That's what a principality is. Now we can look at the Lord and we can find Scripture that tells us what the Lord is prince of. He's, a, he, he's, he's a, the prince of life. He's a prince of peace. So forth and so on. As I said, Satan tries to mimic that. He's the prince of this world. That's what he is. He has his domain. And he has messengers and even angels as it were. Like I said, he can't do his own. He can't be everywhere. What would you do? How would you want to try to control folks if you can't be everywhere? You know what you do? You'd recruit. You, 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 can't, you can't be everywhere, but you can get other people. And now notice what a principality is. And then the next word is power. And power. That word powers actually has one meaning of saying delegated power. I tell you, my friends, as I've said many times, and this scripture is one of the reasons I say it, if man can build it, Satan can run it. Now, I'll tell you, I've been a janitor before, and I've been an executive before. Okay? I'll tell you, Satan is not all that concerned about janitors of this world. But if he can get control of leaders in business, if he can get control of principalities and powers, let me ask you, in life's journey here upon this earth, the 30 some odd years he was here, who did he have the most power or most trouble with? Who caused him? Was it, was it the drunkards? Was it, was it even the murderers? Was it the thieves? No. Who was it? It was the Pharisees. And it was the Sadducees. And the scribes. You know what they were? They were powers. And they influenced the people. And that's how Satan works. He tries to get in places, my friends, where there's bureaucracy. And if he can start and, and get at the top of whatever that, even a small organization of whatever it might be, if he can get at the top of that, my look what he can influence. That's what we wrestle against. Principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Why rulers of darkness? You know what Satan hates? Light. Light. You know why? Because it shows what He is. You know what God is? Light. What 1 John says, God is light. Light. What happens to darkness when light comes? It flees away, my friends. In an instant. Boom! just flees away. I've yet to turn on a light bulb in my house and have to wait for darkness to leave the building. 
That's what Satan does. Where light's there, he'll leave. He'll leave. Spiritual wickedness in high places. That's back to that delegation. And if he can get at the, at the tall, if he can get at the head of it. Wherefore, take upon you the whole armor of God. That ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And that dumbing all to stand, stand therefore. Something about Satan that he does. Uh, I, I haven't played much football at all. I did in one period of my life, but not much. But I was, I was big for my age, so guess where they put me? You know. And for a while in practice, I was going to this one, against this one guy. I was on offense, going against this one guy, and he'd, he'd come right at me. And, he, and he, he was strong. He came right at me. I knew where he was going to be. As soon as the ball hiked, I knew he, where he was going to come. I knew what shoulder he was going to hit at. I knew all of that because that's what he did over and over and over again. And then they put in this other guy. And to be honest with this other guy, I didn't like and he didn't like me. And I thought, finally. How many times I have wanted to bust this guy. And finally he's standing right in front of me. I'm going to be able to take all of my attitude towards him out. And I line up, and guess what he did? He sidestepped me. And I about landed on my face to the laughter of much of the rest of the team. We were in practice. And that guy was the hardest guy to hit because he wouldn't stay still. He wouldn't come at you. He tried to move you. He tried to get you off balance, all that. And he's good at it. And I wasn't. <laughs> Now, what do you think Satan does? Both. Both. But let me tell you how he does when he comes at you. He came at Eve once. How did he come? Now, there's not many. I know one particular person, but there's not many women... That likes snakes. Most now, why is everybody looking? I did not mention that person at all by name. The normal reaction to snakes is to either flee, or go get a hoe, or go get a gun. But here, Eve and the serpent start speaking to her. I wonder how that serpent appeared to her. You don't think I've studied this. You're wrong. I have studied it. I just got so much on me, it's hard for me to find the place I'm wanting to find at any particular time, and I apologize for that. He is able. I can't go to the scripture now and find it. I can find it after church if you want. He's able to transform himself into what? An angel of light. So when he does come straight at you, my friends, he might look like an angel. 
and even, a, if you can believe it, an angel of light. That's how, that's how deceptive he is. Let me look one more place and see if I can find it there. If I won't, then I'll, I'll close services. How many of you are hoping I not find it? Okay, let me end with this. You think about Satan with all that we have said, and there's more. There's tons more. But he, he's an enemy, and he's not a weakling. And, and he knows what, he knows your buttons and my buttons. He knows and he knows which one to push and which one's not to. Sounds like a hopeless battle. I mean, he has all this at his disposal. And, and he has all trickery and all cunning. And, and he's a master of disguise and deceit. And can appear the very thing that he's wanting to try to destroy. But he can appear like it. Not only he can. But so can his ministers. The scripture says if I could find it. So does his ministers. It's, it's, no, it's no far thought to think that he can do that. Because that's what his ministers do. Even the false apostles that it's talked about. But here's one thing. Always keep in mind as you fight Satan, he's already destroyed. He, doesn't, he, he deceives himself that he's not, and he tries to convince you that he's not, but he is a destroyed entity. Listen to what it says 2 and 14 of Hebrews. For as much then as the children are partaker of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death. That is the devil. He stands destroyed, my friends. That's why John would say in 1 John 4, I think 4 and 4, he can say, For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God has given us these elements to use in our warfare against Satan. And we need to put them all on. And you're strong enough to put them all on. And you're wise enough to know how to use them. It's all in God's Word. One thing that you see over and over and over again in reality and also on television or whatever. The soldiers don't go into the battle without their weaponry. They don't go forward against the enemy in just a haphazard way. It's a plan. There's a battle plan. There's a way to fight and there's a way to defeat. God help us to explore these things. Might surprise you exactly what these things are. 
and how to put them on. I remember David. No. Saul, who was mighty in battle. Saul was. Saul had killed his thousands, right? That's what the song they sung. Later on, when David was an adult, they said David has killed his sevens or tens of thousands. But don't take that away that Saul hadn't killed his thousands. He was, my, he, he was head and shoulders above his, his, his people. He, he was a big man. And he was mighty in battle. So when no man would go against the giant, a lad of a boy named David said he would go. And what did Saul try to do? Give him his armor. What did David do? He rejected that armor. Two reasons. One, it didn't fit. And two, it wasn't proven for David. So what did David go into battle against? The same thing that he had gone to battle in the defense of the flock of sheep that he was defending against a bear and lion and so forth. Just his slain and stones that he had picked up from a brook. My friends, this, this, this armor, while it's, while it's the same armor for each of us, it comes in all different sizes, my friends. And whatever you need, whatever, however you, uh, you need to fit you, that battle, that armor will fit you. Because God's made it. Nowhere does He says make your armor. He says take the armor. The armor's already made. It's just a matter of us picking it up, putting it on, and use how to, learn how to use it. In the proper method, in the proper way. My friends, I am convinced in my life, even recently in my life, that if I had done that, I would have been victorious over the devil more times than what I am. Because I become deceived. I become unaware. I don't know that I'm doing this or doing that. It's no excuse. That's just ignorance. There's no excuse. The Lord has given us something to stand. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. I wish I had done this better on this. But I trust God has blessed some of this to your benefit. And that the Lord would bless us to consider the armor of our God. As we stand and sing some suitable hymns. I've had a mind soldier of the cross. I know that. I'm going to come on up and stand here.